0: Alright, fair warning guys, I'm about to discuss what is probably the most disturbing story I've ever covered in the history of this podcast, and I've covered some pretty disturbing stories in the past. The burning alive of a Jordanian pilot by ISIS, the brutal murder in broad daylight of English soldier Lee Rigby. Uh, at the hands of fanatical Muslim converts. But nevertheless, as grisly as those stories were, this story might be even worse. I discovered it last night while perusing a comment thread on a YouTube video, and at first the story sounded so awful that I thought it might be false. Maybe it was one of those stories that comes from some irreputable rag located in some dark corner of the internet. But no, it's a bonafide story covered by the major news outlets, including CNN. Uh, but enough trying to avoid discussing the awful truth. Here's what happened. A few days ago in Moscow, a burka-clad woman, was seen and uh, videoed, uh, filmed, carrying around a young child's severed head. She was triumphantly waving the head about and yelling, al and proclaiming herself a terrorist, and so on. And like myself, when I first heard this story, you're probably wondering, whose child's head was this? At first, I thought maybe she had killed her own child. As it turns out, she was working as a nanny, she waited until the mother and the child's 15-year-old uh, sibling left. And then she beheaded the child, a four-year-old little girl with learning disabilities. She then set fire to the home. And when the firefighters went to battle the flames, uh, you know they made their way inside, and they eventually found the child's headless body left in the cot where she slept. The child's murderer, this woman, put the head in a bag, went to a busy public area, and removed the head from the bag and began waving it around, as I previously mentioned. Video and stills of the gruesome incident are all over the net. But luckily, in most instances, the child's face has been blurred out, which softens the blow to some degree. And that just reminded me of another horrible aspect of the story. The mother of the child was filmed or photographed receiving the horrible news about her child's death. And she could be seen passing out, losing consciousness because the news was so unbearable, too horrible. And uh, she was then taken away by an ambulance. The story is so gruesome that I almost didn't cover it, uh, but it's so horrible it haunts me and I almost feel like I have to talk about it just to get it out of my system. So you've gotten my synopsis of what happened. But now I'll quickly read a bit from a CNN article so you can hear what the news has to say about it. And also to fill you in on any of the specifics, uh, hopefully not any worse than what I've already described, uh, that I may have missed. So here we go. And the article's entitled, Woman Carries Severed Child's Head Into Moscow Metro Station, Officials Say. And it's by Alla Ashenko and Holly Yan, uh, representing CNN. And the date is March 1st, 2016. That's when the article was published. A woman who carried the severed head of a child into a Moscow metro station Monday has been arrested, the city's prosecutor's office said. Moscow police said they believe the woman killed the child whom she was babysitting. The child was believed to have been three or four years old. According to preliminary information released by the Russian Investigative Committee, the woman waited until the parents of the child left an apartment with their older child, then killed the child, set the apartment on fire, and fled the scene. The body of a child, which showed signs of a violent death, was found after firefighters put out the blaze. A motive for the killing was not clear. The investigation is ongoing. Authorities did not identify the woman, but said she was born in 1977 and is from Central Asia. An amateur video shows the woman walking outside the metro station saying, I am a terrorist. I hate you, the enemy. And that's funny because a couple sentences up it says that they weren't certain of a motive. I think we know at least part of the motive. Um, My guess is she was probably mentally unstable to some degree, but at the same time it also seems that she embraces radical Islamist ideology. In her own words, she's referring to herself as a terrorist, and she cut someone's head off. A small child, as horrible as it is to even imagine. But anyway, police are not yet calling the case terror-related. Investigators have ordered the woman undergo a psychological evaluation. All right, so I'm going to be brutally honest with you guys. Another reason why I was hesitant to talk about this story is because it would mean taking on the elephant, or is it the gorilla? I probably shouldn't be joking, in in the room. And that is the question, was this a religious killing? The people on the left of this issue, the so-called regressives, as many have taken to calling them, will say, oh, this was probably just some crazy woman, this had nothing to do with religion. And the people on the other side will say, aha, damned bloodthirsty Muslims, uh, killing everyone again. In my opinion, it was at least in part a religious killing, as I alluded to a moment ago. This lady may very well have been mentally ill, but even if she was, it was seemingly mental illness fueled by extremist religious ideology. Cutting off heads, holding them aloft while praising Allah, uh, this stuff wasn't created in the vacuum of her fevered imagination. This type of thing is the modus operandi Of Muslim radical groups like ISIS and Al Qaeda. How do I know she's mentally ill? Well, I don't know. She could just be a horrible, wicked person. I don't believe in supernatural evil, but I do believe in human evil. People committing horrible acts out of selfishness, cruelty, spite, ignorance, etc. But why I'm guessing that she may have been mentally ill is apparently part of the motivation for this heinous act according to the perpetrator herself, I believe, although it wasn't in the CNN article, was that she was upset by her husband's infidelity. Uh, Most quote-unquote normal people don't say, hey, my husband cheated on me, let's decapitate someone else's kid. And also, relatively speaking, stories about women killing children are disturbingly common. Oftentimes it's the mother, but often it's also a caretaker, such as in this case, and usually it'll seem that the women who commit these acts of infanticide or whatever are either mentally slash emotionally unstable, or they're addicts whose brains are drug-addled, or they're just plain old bad, rotten people, and maybe some combination of uh, all those things. Uh, But this case, I was just thinking about this, it strikes me like some weird hybrid crime, Part personally motivated, you know, who knows, maybe she had some gripe with the family. Maybe she was pissed at her husband and wanted to lash out in some extreme way. So part like a personal thing, and then partly motivated or fueled by Islamic extremist ideology. Perhaps similar to the San Bernardino shooting. Uh, that was a kind of two-for-one deal. The perpetrators were jihadists who had been planning such an event for some time, but the place and timing seemed to be based on workplace grievances. And to me, that's pretty damn scary, this idea of these hybrid attacks possibly becoming a fad or a trend. And I could see them becoming more common as Perhaps more and more people become radicalized online, and that's a scary idea. Someone who's maybe a quote-unquote injustice collector, someone who has a chip on their shoulder, someone who may already be predisposed to committing some kind of um, some kind of sociopathic act, like a workplace shooting, who discovers radical Islam online, and that becomes some kind of catalyst. But whatever her motivations, at the end of the day, it's just a grotesque and heartbreaking story. You have this little girl who was defenseless, and the person who was entrusted with her care, instead of safeguarding her, murdered her in the most brutal way imaginable. And and the poor child's mother, you know, I, I think this comes from the Bible. I think uh, the Veil of Tears, you know. <laughs> And even though I'm not a believer, I kind of like that metaphor for life. We're kind of making our way through this veil of tears. I try to enjoy life as much as possible. I try to be as positive as possible. Um, but it's just a fact of life that all of us endure suffering. No one makes it from from birth to the grave without encountering their fair me- their fair or unfair measure of suffering. But, you know, whatever I've had to endure in my life, I can't even imagine being a parent and having, you know, the authorities approach you or a police officer, whoever it was, and inform you that not only was your beloved child killed, but that they were decapitated by your nanny. And, you know, we found your child's headless body. I don't know if that's the way they said it, but eventually I'm sure she learned the facts. We found your child's headless body in a cot inside your burning house. And your nanny did it, you know. So we all make our way through this veil of tears. But some of us suffer in ways that are just so unimaginable. Um, And I wished I believed in prayer so I could pray for this little girl and her family. But I'm a non-believer, an atheist, choose your label. So maybe at least I can say my thoughts are with them, for whatever the heck that's worth. Probably not much. But maybe it, I think maybe it is helpful to know that when you suffer a tragedy, hey, even if prayer doesn't work, at least there's people out there thinking of you, that not everyone's a monster, that there's human beings out there who actually care. Uh but I don't know what else to say, so thanks for listening, and until next week.